welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 109, and we are distracted by all those clouds. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today are Brenda Burl and Matthew Stubblefield. Brenda, Matthew, hello. Hello. Good to see you all. Oh, man. Well, uh, happy January, everybody. How's mm-hmm. it going? It's going. We're distracted. Shiny, shiny cloud things. <laughs> you know, somebody's even more distracted than than the three of us. It's true. Um, uh, for our dear listeners that have been with us over the last several months, um, longtime guest co-host Danny Coleman welcomed baby Maisie to the world over the weekend. Uh, baby and mom are doing well. Maisie weighed seven pounds, nine ounces. Um, and I've seen pictures. She is absolutely adorable. So we want to please, please join us in congratulating Danny Coleman and his family. Um, he will be out for uh, several weeks on paternity leave. And yes, he is beyond distracted with his new arrival. We really need to find a way to start organizing some adaptivist play dates. I don't know how we do that when we all live thousands of miles apart places <laughs> that would just be so precious though Ad- a family adapt retreat kids adapt to kids oh, yeah. zoom call <laughs> yeah matthew yeah. i think danny just took your idea and ran with it man he decided you know what matthew can have a kid i can too paternity <laughs> <laughs> leave for everybody <laughs> hey all right well congratulations to danny speaking from my experience i think we can all say it's a whole lot of fun you know what else is a whole lot of fun? The updates that Atlassian has introduced to the cloud over the last two weeks. So from January 11th to the 25th, we have quite a bit of juicy new features. And one that I am so excited about is for Jira Cloud. Because now, looping transitions will get their own action buttons. And these two, Brendan and Matthew, know very well that I really like the idea of using Jira for things it's not supposed to be used for. So this function gives me even more incentive to play with it. So yes, this was definitely something you could do in uh, the server edition with looping transitions, validators, and screens and such. But the difference here is that it's being separated out from the workflow steps to be its own set of actions. And so you could basically use these buttons to trigger actions that force your users into certain behaviors. I mean, that, that, that language might be a little brusque, but it's it, it like, you know, the idea of using Jira as, say, a cash register and using an action button to enter customer data and then an action button to ring in their items or whatever. It's just a different way of looking at the platform. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, this this may not be this may be functionality that some of our listeners aren't familiar with. It's the idea of you know you've got a transition in a workflow. So we're, we're talking specifically about Jira workflows. Uh, you could already have a transition screen to pop up and prompt for data. You could set a validator to just say this data has to be entered before going to the next transition. A looping transition just brings you back to the same status. So it's letting you take these these actions. So, you know, savvy Jira workflow developers would use this to prompt for information while staying in in progress or or collecting data or whatever that status might be. What's interesting about cloud here, um, it's twofold. One, last year they made a change to how workflow transitions work to begin with. So instead of a button that moves you through it, there was a drop-down menu where you could select from these. Uh, Now... Uh, taking those looping transitions and when you have multiple of them, moving them into its own menu, I think is a really interesting UX decision 
uh, it it does sort of beg the question why this is still part of the workflow. It feels like they've taken, you know, what was kind of a workaround. Like looping transitions were always, you know, we wanted to do this and we didn't have a better way to do it. So we found a way to use workflows to do this. And instead of just introducing uh, a UI and a button set to let you create forms and then click a button to display that form and capture information, Atlassian just sort of like leaned in to <laughs> the workaround and made it like yeah. presented in the interface as if it's not a workaround, but it it still is. Like you still have to go through a workflow editor to create actions, and I just I do find that odd, um, but. I think it's a step towards exactly what you're talking about. This is what they're. I just don't know why they didn't just take the step, though. Like, why not just develop a? a Matthew, certainly you've seen an action all set. Of, certainly, you've seen all about Bob. Baby steps, baby steps, <laughs> baby steps. Also new in the Jira Cloud platform is a new improved issue search in your classic projects. Just a new nicely refined view uh, that can help you filter your issues out faster. Advanced Roadmaps for Jira Cloud has fixed the visibility of archived releases. There's just a little bug that they've squashed. You're also now able to get insights into cycle time for your deployments in the palm of your hand with the new advanced insight panel inside the deployment view. Finally, in classic projects, when you create a new board, you get a roadmap, and you get a roadmap, and everybody gets a roadmap. And so the way Atlassian puts it is, they've said it once, they'll say it again, the roadmap takes your planning game up a notch. Are you ready to take it up a notch? I know I am. Are you? So ready. So ready. This is actually so really relevant. We're in the process of starting creating a cloud version of our Learn for Jira app. And this morning, I was talking with Dan Adams, our lead instructional designer, about making cloud training. And Atlassian has completely blurred the lines between Jira Core and Jira Software, these concepts. You know, when you have a Jira cloud project, you start in the board, you live in the board. There's no distinction between Jira and Jira Software in the cloud. It just, it's just all Jira. And we're seeing that same thing happen with roadmaps, right? So, you know, where roadmaps was originally totally standalone, only available for some, uh, it's it's really just being brought in, you know, folded into the uh, the core experience for Jira users, which is really interesting. And smart from a usability perspective. This is what it's just all from, about. exactly, it's what it's all about. It's instead of, oh, well, you have these things and oh, over here you've got the, those things you know it's it's across the board we don't have to think about you know what's what's a core feature and what's an add-on feature or what's an extra feature depending on your license you know you want your users to have a consistent experience so you know blurring those lines is a very smart usability move on Atlassian's part yeah and this is where I think they're going to really be in a in a place to be long-standing competition to the Microsofts and IBMs of the world because they're focusing on the things that make it decent to use the product as opposed to just use the product or else. When people like doing it, productivity, et cetera, et cetera, it's all good stuff. Well, and a lot of it is exposure. You know, it's it's making these things more visible, more easily accessible. Um, there's, there's nothing, th- there's no like secret knowledge you need no. to interpret a Gantt chart or to like look at a roadmap, but finding it in the interface and knowing you have access, it's the same thing with release hub, right? Like 
wiring up Jira and Bitbucket and Bamboo so that you get the value of Release Hub is not hard. But the number of people I know who actually look at the Release Hub is very small. Uh, and so like taking something like Roadmaps and just having it really feel front and center and core of the product, I think, is, is like you said, Ryan, a very smart move. Some new functions have also rolled out to Confluence Cloud with the ability now to delete pages and blogs with confidence. Have you ever felt have you ever felt insecure when deleting a page or a blog? Sure. We all have. <laughs> but often regularly. <laughs> typically. It's like a great deletes things. It's, everything's in, oh my gosh, Matthew, no. No. <laughs> Why would you ever delete anything? I don't understand. No, you just keep it forever, especially if it's useless. <laughs> so this functionality is not relevant to Matthew, but for Ryan and I, you can now delete to your heart's content. And you'll feel really confident about it. It's like those programs that make people feel more secure about their purchases. Um, anyway, it's a new <laughs> UX experience. It's, it's one of those things where it's going to confirm what's going to happen to your content. So if you're in the process of shredding documents because you've done something nefarious, you're in trouble with Confluence because you're going to know exactly what happened to those documents. Also in Confluence, and this one is actually a little more uh, hands-on useful maybe, the Office Connector uh, macro will now be displaying your Office documents in Confluence Cloud in a full-width preview. So you're going to be able to get, yeah, right, right? A little (laughs) nicer view um, because, man, uh, you know, I understand why Microsoft would want to keep some interoperative uh, hostility alive between itself and Atlassian. But the more we can overcome that to make the experience better, the better. Notably, this is specifically for Word, so not necessarily for Excel or other documents. Um, I assume that's coming. And uh, to to be fair, this isn't really so much a Microsoft issue as it is an Atlassian issue, because the documents can display through a web browser if they're embedded, you know, pretty easily like that that function is out there it's it's doing it through confluence's rendering ah. uh that is more challenging so they they had to create a a renderer effectively uh for the for the confluence pages so it's great that they've done this i think this makes this helps move confluence cloud uh into a more sort of appetizing spot for larger enterprises mm-hmm. that use confluence not just for collaboration but for you know, as a document repository, uh, getting getting offers interoperability and, and display like this is where you start moving into that document repository knowledge management space. Also new in Atlassian Cloud uh, on the Bitbucket side of things, um, new just this past week, you can now clone a repo in VS Code. Uh, they're in the clone this repository dialogue. Um, when you're viewing a pull request, you have the option to view in VS Code. Um, and that just gives you an option to open that pull request directly in VS Code. So just some additional support for IDEs. Um, I know a lot of developers do use VS Code, and uh, so this makes it just another another easier, it's another smoothing of the transition for the developers. Uh, so that's a nice option. Also in Bitbucket Cloud, a new pull request sidebar. Um, and we'll have a link to the blog post in our show notes. GIF alert. We were distracted by the GIFs in this particular article. So nice. Um, lots of neat features, actually. Um, so there is a sidebar already useful because it's giving you a lot of details around the pull request you're looking at. However, it's a ton of information. 
And like many of us, we're overwhelmed and overloaded with all the things that our screens barf at us on a recurring basis. <laughs> so, <laughs> so previously, you had a very long view. You had to scroll lots of sections. Lassian has introduced a radical new idea called tabs. We've never seen these before, so it's very exciting. Um, breaking it out into details, files, and activities. So taking some of the most used sidebar components, placing them in their own context. Uh, so it's easier to find what you're looking for. They've done some, just some look and feel updates. So the activity feed is now broken up into little individual panels. I think that's um, tight. I think it looks great. It's super nice. It, it is super nice. And my first response was, oh, who cares? And then I went, actually, that's, no, that's really a very nice little thing. It breaks up the different pieces. It lets you, it lets you see, you know, in a much more divided isn't the right word there, but it, it breaks the different pieces of information up and makes it much easier to parse. Yep. Um, a little bit longer on the page. That's fine. I'll take it uh, much easier to work through. Simplified file tree. So obviously when you're looking at a pull request, you want to know what files have been modified. Um, they've revamped the, the file tree view to kind of slim it down, simplify the elements. There's fewer icons. Um, there's more expand and collapse menu icons. Uh, makes it easier to just navigate that file tree. And you can see um, how far ahead or behind each particular item is compared to the branch that you're looking to merge into. And an entirely new file list. I like this. This is pretty. Um, it's just, it's a thing of beauty. You click on that files tab, you're going to see just the files that are impacted instead of having to parse through a file tree. If you're working in Java, for example, you're going to have a lot of files and you need to pull all of them in and compare them to what's on, on the branch and everything. So this breaks it out, broken up. Again, we have those dividers between um, the different folders. It's a really tidy, nice way of looking at all the files that are impacted. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of that new file view. That's quite nice. They're continuing to clean up the user experience. Um, they're going to continue to work on, you know, UI elements of this, but um, this, this is a lot of nice updates on Bitbucket Cloud. So if you're using Bitbucket Cloud, go check them out play around with the different tabs, take a look, see what you think. Um, and at a minimum, go check out some fun gifts on the article that we will link to in the show notes. The last update in so the core Atlassian cloud is an improvement to user management across your Atlassian products. Uh, so we'll link to a uh, blog post from Atlassian. It was actually posted on the Atlassian community on January 11th. User management for cloud admins just got easier. The, the way it's getting easier is mostly through uh, rearranging and cleaning up the page. Uh, so it should be faster to load. Uh, it's a lot simpler. Uh, notably, the left sidebar shrinks from, I don't know, a dozen different things to, to three or four. Uh, the profile view, I think, is, is a lot cleaner and the ability to manage a user's individual permissions. Uh, they're, they're, you know, simplified details, uh, the group listing page. So 
a lot of changes uh, across this. Uh, if you have signed up for cloud after January 18th, you already see it. You see it now. For existing, comp uh, for existing customers, you'll start seeing these changes in June of 2021. Um, take a look at the blog post so you know what to look for, uh, how this will be coming to you in June. And uh, as is always the case on uh, these community posts when Atlassian releases something like this, they're looking for feedback. So you can read through their over 50 comments right now. If you have thoughts to share, you can click the Give Feedback link in the admin area on your site, or you can comment on this community page. I find it interesting that there's a six-month delay between users that are signing up at a certain time versus existing users. Because normally you'd expect a much quicker push to get that out. I'm, I'm curious if there's any insight. I do not understand is. some of their decisions. I, well, so like I could make guesses, right? Um Atlassian has increased sensitivity to enterprises that are on cloud who want more, you know, advanced warning about stuff. Uh, they're trying to move into kind of a, an enterprise release type approach where you have a month or two to decide. Not really like you're going to get the new interface right, but like you can opt in a month or two early. So they probably want to leave some room for that for you know people who are going to start opting in in maybe like April or May, um, and they can test it out with new people with no repercussions. Those people don't know any different, right? So it's actually creating a way to start testing it uh, so that, you know, and, and while at the same time addressing what happens if, if you're a company that has multiple cloud sites and it looks different, why does it look different? Oh, we have this blog post. We've explained it. Supports you something different. Uh, my, my buddy has a different interface. Oh, we've explained it. It's going to come out later. So it's, it's like a cake, get, have your cake and eat it too. Like they're getting the testing, uh, with the lowest risk cohort while providing, you know, some initial viewing for people who are going to have it later. Uh, six months does seem a bit long, but, you know, uh, I think for a large enterprise, if you've got thousands of users and you're dealing a lot with user management, you know, it may be a month or two before you even get to look at this, to start looking at it. That still gives you two or three months to, to make your plans and to acclimate. Very fair. Thank you. Over in server world, on January 14th, Atlassian released Jira Server 8.14.1. This update is a bug-fixing update that gives some repairs where you need them most, including, but not limited to, creating a board with a new project, creating an error, health check failures on LDAP authentication, the inability to select project lead while creating a new board, uh, configuring card color on a board using JQL not working, and other issues with words I cannot pronounce. Uh, <laughs> no new functions per se, but some nice looking bug fixes. We will, of course, link these to you in the show notes. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Jira Service Manager got a release on 14th of January. This was 4.14.1. Also, bug fixes. Uh, many of the same things. Uh, you know, upgrade to the bundled version of Apache. Uh, some some card color issues. Uh, so, like many bug fixes, you know, this is a a, a point one release. Uh, it's pretty safe to upgrade. Typically, if you're not experiencing the problems. It's not necessarily a rush to do it. Uh, if you are, though, with your, your service desk, your service management app, um, particularly if you've got large projects, 
uh, might recommend it because you can have some high memory pressure uh, without this and, and run into some out of memory errors. So, you know, same logic applies as is typical. And in the wonderful world of Confluence Server, um, on January 19th, Atlassian released 7.10.2. Two bug fixes relating to the Confluence view file macro, where it fails to load for anonymous users or fails to load if you have edit in Office enabled. Obviously, if you're not using that macro, this doesn't impact you at all. Uh, but if you are, go ahead and, and take a look at 7.10.2. And same advice, if, uh, if you don't need this upgrade, there's no rush to to it, but do know that those two bug fixes are included. Finally, Matthew, the software tester <laughs> supreme, discovered an interesting thing while we were preparing to record this episode of the podcast, and it appears that the, the desktop version of Trello is now opening web pages in Trello. Dun dun dun. Yeah, in a in a super annoying twist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you no you've got a coming. link in a card. You've got a link in a card. You click the link, and instead of opening it opening that in your default web browser, or you know, uh, as Microsoft used to do, like forcing it to open an IE or something, even if it wasn't your default. Uh, it opens it in another Trello window. So like it opens a new window of Trello and like within that opens web page, you get no address bar. There's no forward or back. There's no navigation or anything. You just have, uh, I'm on Mac. So I've got the little red, yellow, green dots at the top left to close or maximize my Trello window. And I've got this web page, uh, which means, you know, for the podcast where I open eight or 10 web pages and tabs to go through them, I would, you know, have these eight or ten Trello windows. Uh, instead, I have to right-click on a link, copy it, open it in the browser. And as we were trying to dig into this, I thought, well, let's go look for Trello's release notes. I mean, that's what we do on this podcast, right? We look at release notes, we summarize them for you. Uh, and I did, I guess you could say, find some release notes. The problem is they're communicated through a Trello board that hasn't been updated since 2015. Uh, when so, was 2015? I can't even remember. <laughs> I don't even know what year it is now. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but I, I was, I was, you know, there's nothing in the preferences to change this. I was really disappointed that Trello does not have release notes published anywhere that I could find. I mean, part of me is like, I haven't looked for it before really, but, um, but when I did go look, it, it wasn't there? not, and like finding thing from 2015, like that just, Oh, don't forget don't the, the seemed, other board that we weird. found. We found another board from 2017. Does that count? Te no. That was still true. out of that was, you know, that was the roadmap. collective That was the memory. release notes roadmap. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, some disappointing Trello-ish things there. Matthew, this get, opens the door to wild speculation. What if they just accidentally turned this feature on before they roll out the Trello operating system? You know, it's like a, <laughs> they're going to build a we'll soon have book, Trello books, a Trello book. Exactly. This is what it's uh -huh, uh -huh. happening. I they bet do, team 2021, oof, what, who knows when time. team 2021 is going to be. We were also trying to look up the dates for that earlier and couldn't find them. So whenever Atlassian's next, you know, team nay summit happens on well, whatever day that is, maybe we'll hear about the Trello OS on Trello oh, books. Man. Can't wait for that. Trello I think. Book. Wait, wait. I bet not a Trello book. It'll be a Trello tab. It'll be a tablet, but it's Trello only. 
Trilla Taps. But could you By imagine multiple Research in Motion. A, <laughs> could you imagine multiple windows on a tablet? Uh, Someone at Trello is listening and taking notes right now. Oh. And we'll never see multiple windows on the Trello tablet because they listened to us and heard about our pain. Yeah, you're welcome, Trello Tab fans. They enjoy when the when the developer when the when the progenitor of Trello Tab gets fired, he's going to be shaking his fist at the sky and saying, "But the podcast, said it was good." <laughs> you know, and I think that's about as good of a place that we can find to end this show for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of Adaptivist Live, the Alaskan Ecosystem Podcast. We really appreciate you listening today. More than you can imagine. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> So make sure you connect with us on social at Adaptivist and let us know what you think or what we should be covering on the podcast. So for Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burrow, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. Have you podcasted before, bro? No, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) 